Look at the birds in the sky. They don't sow seed or harvest grain or gather crops into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? Who among you, by worrying, can add a single moment to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Notice how the lilies in the field grow. They don't wear themselves out with work, and they don't spin cloth. But I say to you that even Solomon, in all of his splendor, wasn't dressed like one of these. If God dresses grass in the field so beautifully, even though it's alive today and tomorrow it's thrown into the furnace, won't God do much more for you, you people of weak faith? Therefore, don't worry and say, what are we going to eat? And what are we going to drink? Or what are we going to wear? Gentiles long for all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Instead, desire first and foremost God's kingdom and God's righteousness, and all things will be given to you as well. Therefore, stop worrying about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So true. And our next uh, scripture is from Joshua, your namesake. 1, 7 to 9, and this is from the New International Version. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of law always on your lips. Meditate on it by day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And now you get Mr. Josh Battistone, my dear friend. I have a little guest this evening with me. Good evening. I first want to say that being asked to share my journey in faith has hit me extremely hard. I am beyond honored and humbled for this opportunity. Words I generally don't say often. I speak in front of little kids, high schoolers, not typically adults, so this is a new thing. I am honored and humbled not just for speaking but for being asked as a new member to speak with each of you this evening. I wanted to give you some background on the two songs chosen. My mom has always been a pillar for me growing up, still to this day, and I called her not long ago and asked her, and I call her Ma, and I was like, Ma, what are the two songs you remember as a kid? Without hesitation, she named those two songs and talked about being a little girl at my great aunt Jane's house at her farmhouse and just singing those songs. And so to me, there was no other fitting songs to choose. Journeys. Journeys are chocked full of memories and hers and mine are intertwined, hence the story this evening. I laugh thinking of my journey because I always believed it was the luck of the jaw, the draw for me in following Christ. However, he had a plan from the moment I was born. At least I've been told that. And I've realized in my journey, 
my journey really is a journey with Christ. It's not a journey that I thought this adventure that I was on. I'm a very visual person. And as people like Sherry know, I talk with my hands. Is that Italian family, that Appalachian family. And my journeys had many switchbacks. And for those of you that don't know what switchbacks are, when I lived out west and hiking a mountain, you never go straight out. The path just keeps switching back, going back and forth. And that one-hour hike or that 1,000 feet elevation could take hours. That's been my journey. I've hit more crossroads and turns, but Christ has always been there for me, guiding me along the way. I wondered if each choice I made was of my own free will or was he guiding me each way. Currently, I am of the mindset that it's a mixture. At times, I made my own choices, but in fact, he always knew my choice prior to me making those choices. And he allowed me to figure out some things on my own, and other times the choice was clear and made for me. The key is that he was always with me in those choices. To give you a little background, to help you understand where I came from as a kid, is <laughs> a story in itself. I did come from Pennsylvania. Yes, ma'am. The slimmed down version is my parents were divorced when I was one. My mom was and is my rock. You've seen her sometimes here wrangling my son. She's always been there for me. Both my parents remarried, and I gained siblings along the way. My mother's side came from a strong Presbyterian root system, tucked in Little Appalachia, southwest of Pittsburgh. Where I grew up, cows outnumbered people. But in our town, we had two Presbyterian churches in the 1800s of a town of about 150. Same Presbyterian roots, I never figured out why. But my side came from one church. Eventually, they merged. As my grandparents always told me, that was a difficult time. But I grew up going to Sunday school as a kid, and I remember sitting in those hard wooden pews without the comforted seats and dozing off and my mom nudging me a little bit. And I remember a story that takes me back to where in those times we were reading a story and it was talking about hell and I always skipped over it. And I remember telling my mom that I don't say bad words. And she had to pull me aside and explain to me the church version and that it was okay because I already reported that my brother said it 12 times in the last (laughs) passage. Just trying to get a little up. But as many of you witnessed Church is a must for me, and it's a must for me with my kids. Many of you seen my daughter, Abby, try to wrangle my son, Emmett, but it's like herding cats. For those of you here last week, she was running back and forth. Mm. Emmett was wanting his goldfish. (laughs) We did not always pray consistently at dinner growing up. However, evening prayers were a must before bed, and they're a must for my kids. Growing up in rural southwestern Pennsylvania, we had what we needed, and what we didn't have, we didn't know. I believed in God. I was told to believe in God. I was expected to follow God, but I was too young to know what that meant, but I feared not believing. 
In my elementary years, I continued to go to Sunday school, praying at night, and I knew I really fully wanted to commit to God, but I didn't know how and I didn't know what that meant, but I knew I was told I should. I struggled during these years with friends, feeling connected. And as the book of Joshua 1.9, I wanted to be courageous, strong, and not afraid. But this is much easier to read than to feel. I was a tall, lanky kid weighing in at maybe 55 pounds, soaking wet in seventh grade. True. I was scared, weak, and terrified. We moved a little bit as a kid, and this just added to that fear. My parents convinced me one year in seventh grade to go to the church's youth group. On the first night that I joined, ironically, we went to a play called Heaven's Gates and Hell's Flames. The play showed me where I could end up. It was very clear, cut, and dry. Prior to this play, I always looked at heaven and hell as a coin flip. It could go either way, but really, as a seventh grader, in the concept of my mind, I still couldn't understand if it was real. And that scared me. This weak, terrified kid, I was worse off at the end of the play than I was going at the beginning. At the end of the play, they asked people to come forward. And for those of you that know me, I really don't volunteer. Uh, as in the military, I was voluntold. But for some reason, I found myself walking down that aisle to go to the front. And they asked me and asked us if we wanted to give our lives to Christ. And I knew there was no choice at that point. I was like my son Emmett in the church aisle, barreling down that walkway, head down in full throttle. And those of you that see him know exactly what I mean. Bull in a china shop. I continued to follow Christ. I actually read the New Testament because you know us Appalachian Presbyterians. We read our Bibles. I continue still to this day, 30-some years later, still struggling with the New Testament. I can never make it all the way through. But I volunteered in church, and I continued my family's name in our church. And the way I grew up was our name was everything. And so I wanted to continue what my grandparents have started with my mom and my uncle, and my parents started with me. The church was my rock. It always kept me grounded. And when I didn't even live at home, it was still my rock. I knew if I just, when I got home, it was one of the first things I drove by, and it just centered me. My family helped fund that church, and as a kid, I helped raise money for the organ pipes and different things that I didn't understand that needed to be redone. We were not as high-tech as we are here today. Then college. Let's just say there were some ups and downs. As my parents will tell you, slamming my health insurance packet on the bar top at our house, I had over 35 broken bones, was buried four times in avalanches, had my jaw wired shut from a story that went awry, but I never lost my faith in everything that I did. My journey was struggling in my college years, and I didn't find a purpose. Then in 2003, I enlisted in the Montana Army National Guard. I waited until 2003. I was actually in line on 9-11, waiting to join. 
During basic training, let's just say, I broke my ankle a fourth time rappelling and was discharged with an honorable discharge against my wishes. During my my out-processing, they ended up putting me in a medical unit. And I was unaware of what that really meant. You take somebody that really wanted to be there, that my unit was being deployed. I joined a unit that was specifically being deployed. And now I'm being told I can't to go. And my faith was wavering. So I'm laying in this bunk, in this barracks, for about four weeks. And my first night, I thought it was people like me, physical injuries. My battle buddy had scoliosis. I was unaware that anybody with any issue was thrown in here. Medical, physical, mental, or just didn't want to be there and change their mind. My faith continued to lack and waver because I felt that I let myself down. One night in about my second or third week in there, there was a scream from one of the back bathrooms in the barracks. And about five of us saved the battle buddy that was going to make a choice that he couldn't come back from. And I didn't know how to process that. And my faith was close to being broke. At least I thought. So I ended up flipping open the New Testament. They give you a little New Testament. I kept it in my battle pocket. It was camo. I still have it. And I just flipped through and I was like, all right, wherever I land, there better be something good in here because I need it. And it was Matthew 6.26, what we heard tonight from Sherry. I felt God okay. Not God. But I felt like I lost God because of my inconsistency with faith. And I read those verses. And they hit me like a rock. I mean, they hit me like my mom could walk down an aisle, take her shoe off, and still keep stride. And that high heel could make a 90-degree turn and somehow whack me or my brother in the back of the head. It was clear as day. That's a true story. And I knew if he's going to provide for the birds and the trees and the lilies... And I might not be worth much, but am I not worth a little bit more than a flower? And I knew I would be okay. And so that question I ask myself, unfortunately, probably weekly, probably daily, when I struggle. Am I not worth it when I pray in my journey? And will you be there? So life continued after basic training and teaching. And I met someone special, and together we have two beautiful, smart children. And when you think you've planned it all out, boom, things change. And currently, these two are the entire center of my life. And our doggy, right? My faith grows daily. And in that case, my faith grows with my children as well. Through all of what I have recently gone through, my faith began to waver again. My first thought was, why God? But then I realized it isn't God doing this to me. And that's a lesson I think I'll still learn today and every day from here on. I found that it was easy to blame 
when it wasn't him doing this. I lost my journey, came to a five-way intersection again, and I couldn't find the route. The church I belonged to before here was not providing the faith that I was seeking and needing. I wanted it to, but I wasn't getting what I needed. And then, Sherry Brooks. For those of you who don't know, I'm fortunate enough to work with Sherry. And I found myself in her office one day chatting about nonsense and faith came up and I typically don't talk about my faith I'm cautious and reserved and talking with her just felt like it needed to happen and she said I want somebody I want you to meet somebody and before I left the office Pastor Joel already responded to a text from Sherry and I had a meeting set up. And so we came in, I came in, and we talked about faith. And I came to realize the covenant was what I was missing. And it's funny, because instantly when I walked in, I just felt okay. The carpet reminded me of my church growing up. The old pews. The people the greetings that they, everybody wants to know everybody and I typically dip my toe in but I just decided what the heck and I took the plunge so you may be sitting here saying man this guy has a lot of stories and I do have some good ones but the greatest are my kids and my faith has allowed me to be where I am currently at and to have beautiful loving kids and pass on my faith to them because that is what I believe keeps my faith strong every single day. So what I've tried to explain tonight is that my journey is not extraordinary. It is just a long, strange trip for those that are Grateful Dead fans. A trip I don't regret as it continues to make me the man you see before me, before you. I used to define myself by all my journeys, all the things I've done, all the bones I've broken, all the adventures I had. And I've learned that in all my journeys, the greatest one is my faith. Because it has made me to the person you see before you. And the person you see before you, the number one thing about me is I'm a dad. And I'm a dad with two kids. And my job is to pass on my faith to them and let them grow up in a church the way I did. So was it a choice he made or I made or was it a mixture? I believe God has and will always reside in my heart and soul. In those dark times, I think he was always there. I know he was always there. I just chose not to listen. I believe he's always going to be there. And I believe, as I am getting older, that I am realizing that I am to pass on that faith and education to my kids. My journey is far from over. In fact, it's just beginning. 
And the last thing I have is that I always thought I was always a person that planned everything out. I have a plan A, B, C, and D. I always do. I always know the next step ahead, generally. Or I have an out. And in my faith journey, I've tried to control it. And that's the last thing he wanted. He's controlled every step of the way. And I've taken some time in my life to understand that and realize that. And I've realized I've had to give up control. And that is very hard for an Appalachian Italian to give up control. Very hard. But I do because control is wanting to know that the situation will be okay. And I would rather God know that it's okay than me know that it's okay. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for this opportunity to share my story. Although this is not just my story. It's a story of those that have faith and have had the faith to impact me throughout my life, impact my children, and impact future generations here in this building. I do not belong to many church organizations at this time due to two little ones that occupy 99.9% of my time, which is okay. But who you see in front of you is a member of the community and somebody that will always be here because what was given to me in this building can never be repaid no matter what committee I join you've given me more than I can ever ever say or repay and you've impacted me more than you know so thank you for this opportunity. I pray that this, this congregation continues things like this for members. And I pray that people are in place here to impact at least one more person and one more person and one more person. Because what's here is special beyond, I think, what people realize every single day. Thank you.